Hey guys, welcome to Incubation Conversations. My name is Katie. And I'm Eli, and welcome to our podcast where we provide a fun, informative interaction discussing the topics and stories of benchtop research interwoven with tips and clues to navigate schools, applications, and experiments. So today, our guest is Jess. She's going to grad, she's currently in graduate school, and she's here to discuss with us kind of the dark side of research and what that's kind of like in the lab. Jess, would you mind introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about yourself and what kind of research you do? Hey, yeah, I'm Jess. Uh, I went to undergrad in biology at a small university, small liberal arts college. And I guess I'll go a little bit into my background in research. So um, I got started in research sort of later in undergrad. I wasn't exactly sure. what I wanted to do. We can go into that a little more later if you guys are interested, but um, I wanted to learn more about the specific side of research I do now, which is neuroscience. And so I moved to a larger institution to do a post-bac research program, um, take some more classes and get some lab experience and kind of fell in love with it, did that for a little bit, worked as a technician in that lab, and I'm now a graduate student getting my PhD in that same lab. So that's sort of my journey and a little brief summary. And that's a much larger prestigious university, so it's very different than my undergrad experience. Um, Mm -hmm. So you've been in the same lab for a couple years now. So Yes, three and a half years now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us in general terms what kind of lab it is? Is it more yeah so um we are a neuroscience lab and we do a lot of like uh tissue level work um behavior work uh we work with mice um so kind of your like basic uh yeah yeah, yeah, system circuit uh neuroscience lab yeah and what do you want to do after you get your phd what's your kind of next step um loaded question but I went in really wanting to continue in academia, being a professor. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool job, you know, like you have a lot of autonomy intellectually um, as a professor. Um, it's also a ton of responsibility that I've seen along the way, like you have to be there, like on call all the time for your lab and, you know, there's so much responsibility and you're, you're never guaranteed funding. Um, so I'm kind of rethinking that, but uh, I definitely want to stay in the research gotcha. part of it over like teaching or industry kind of, I don't know, basically. Okay. So we've talked a lot about medical school in our podcast. Do you mind giving us a general overview of how graduate school works? You know, like medical schools, we know it's like four years of you know, mm-hmm. medical school and then residency. How is it reflected in graduates? Like, when do you decide your lab? Or even, like, within your graduate program, like, how many years is, like, lecture-based or more in classroom? Mm -hmm. And then how many years of it is, like, rotational through different labs, experiencing, like, clinical or, or, like, outside work, I guess? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's very different depending on the school and the program. So even within the programs that I applied to, Um, Some were rotation, so that means your first year you're in like three, maybe four labs for three or four months each, Um, and then you see kind of what professor you vibe with and what, like where it has a spot for you. Um, So that's kind of one 
routes you can go. So that's more like you go for the school name gotcha. and you go because you like their program generally and maybe there's a few people you want to work with. But I decided to go more the you go straight to a lab route because I knew what I wanted to work on and I saw it as kind of like wasting a year rotating. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm only really going to that school for one professor and they might not even have a spot. Right. Gotcha. So then that sort of program, you talk to that professor beforehand and they have the most say in whether or not they want you in the lab. Gotcha. Um, so it all comes down to when they have funding. So you're almost like gambling. So it's not necessarily like, hmm? You're almost like gambling then. Oh, yeah. Like it depends on the year that you apply. Um, like they may really like you. They just don't have a spot or a new project. Um, and then what else did you ask? So. Grad school is not very heavily class focused. Um, it also depends on the program. So some schools you take like a couple basic classes just to make sure everybody's up to the same speed on whatever the program is. Um, like, I don't know if it's a biology, integrative biology program, they might have you take like evolution if you haven't taken it in undergrad, something like that. Um, but for my program, there are a lot of class requirements, but they're not like sit down lecture classes. It's like, you know, a couple stats classes. You have to take one on how to teach students because teaching is a big thing we do. So there's way more of us teaching undergrads than us taking classes, um, which is also a learning experience. Um, And then lots of seminars, lots and lots of seminars. So you get your master's along the way. Um, some schools, if you graduate with a PhD and you get a master's along the way, you know, it'll say like MS, comma, PhD, but then some schools it's just PhD and honestly at the end it doesn't matter if you have a master's if you have a PhD, so. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to ask a couple heavy questions. So our okay. last episode we talked about like a healthy supporting environment mm-hmm. of a lab. That's what we experience here, uh, and our lab is smaller. But we know the darker side exists where it's heavily mm-hmm. competitive, it's not supportive, every man for himself. And um, we, like I know you have some experience with that, so mm-hmm. I'm going to ask a couple questions relating to that because I, in okay. my, I've never experienced it, but it's, it's very real and it's very scary. <laughs> so... Um, the first thing is, I know you did some work with the lab before you joined it. Right. Um, actually, before we even get there, can you please describe the lab environment you are in so we can get a general idea? So, like how many people yeah, are I, there? You know, who are you working with closely? Okay. And then, like, how they kind of interact with you, I guess. Yeah, Positive, not good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's definitely a different vibe between small and large labs. Mm-hmm. And so I have seen this lab grow a lot um, since in the time I've been here. And that has been sort of a bad thing I've noticed because if the PI can't handle a lot of students, you know, people feel like they can't, they're not getting enough time with them and the mentorship they need. And then it starts becoming like kind of a sibling fight thing, which you can imagine is bad. Um, and then... Um, there's also the sort of, I guess, like what subject matter people are working on. So if there's one lab that has a really central research topic and then everyone knows like that technique and then lab meetings can be like, hey, everyone knows at least what they're talking about and they can be 
you know, like, uh, I guess helpful conversations, that's a good thing. So maybe a big lab would, would function better with that. But our lab, we have grants on multiple different topics. So then you get a thing where like, you know, maybe I have no idea what this person is working on or what their sort of question or circuit thing is. So then, you know, I don't know, it just kind of like breaks the lab mm-hmm. apart in some ways. And so, um, that has kind of led to an environment that was not healthy pre-COVID because of also like social reasons. So like interpersonal issues became a thing as well. Um, and then I think since COVID, um, you know, we were back in the lab maybe four months after everything shut down, but uh, I thought that would be better, right? Because then everyone's like, spaced out <laughs> like kind of doing their own thing yeah. but uh for a while it was but then um i don't know it's just i think certain personalities we have right now are not um are kind of creating this uh environment that's kind of hostile i guess when you say high hostile what do you mean specifically can you give us specific descriptives um um so this is rare so i don't want to like if people are listening i don't want to like scare them that this will happen (laughs) um but uh yeah so like you know we have uh, we have like one particular person that is kind of um like starts drama i guess you could say and then it becomes like about a different person depending on like something small you know that like pisses them off so then that person becomes the target and then uh it just yeah becomes that's why it's hostile because then the person that's starting it is kind of trying to like get everybody gang up against the person that they're mad at at that moment um kind of sounds like kindergarten if you ask me oh it does yep Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so are these so like, are all these people yeah. the same age as you or is there kind of like a higher no here? Do you think that so, plays a role too, of you know, so, we're in education? Oh, good question. Yeah. Yeah. So there is. It's interesting how different like professors view. Like the hierarchy, mm-hmm. I guess, because it should be experience and. Like status or like, age in grad school, you know. Right. Um, right. Like how long you've been there, but. To some professors, they go off of like actual age over like time in grad school, I guess. And so at our university, they take much older students generally. So a lot of people are like late 20s mm-hmm. when they start their PhD. And I was like young 20s. And so I think I still get looked at as like young, right. you know? It's like little kid um, that but, doesn't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is also a function of the fact that I started with very little experience in this field in the lab, like as a postback student. So I think, you know, being with the same advisor, seeing you kind of like grow up, you have to mm-hmm. prove, prove more. But um, the person that starts the drama is like much older Interesting. That is, than me. So. I would expect them to be a little bit more wiser and not have time to start yeah, such drama. Yeah, not be so immature. And yeah. especially if you guys are such a teaching, it sounds like a kind of a teaching heavy pro, like program. Mm-hmm. So obviously, in my mind, it'd be like the older, more experienced people would be teaching the younger folks. So 
right. it would be a positive relationship, a good learning environment, but this does not sound like the case. Yeah, yeah, I have, um, I've heard stories about like in contrast to this lab, how good, you know, a lab can be and how it can be really teaching focused and people are like reading scientific papers with their lab every week and they, you know, meet with their professor every week and they feel respected and that they can go talk about some exciting data that they just, you know, collected um, with their other lab members and um, that's something I, I envy, I guess. So but. I guess another question we have for you too is mm -hmm. like, when you obviously applied to many programs, many PhD programs, mm -hmm. and they obviously interviewed you to join this lab. So like when they interviewed you, did they like advertise this great learning environment, this great holistic lab, or was you, were you kind of blindsided when you walked in? Um, how did, how did this kind of come about, I guess, when you were interviewing? Um, so I think, so like I already knew the lab environment, right? Because I was, I was right. in it and like yep. everyone wanted me to stay. Um, but your relationship changes with your professor and with the other students a lot. Um, mm -hmm. When you move into grad school, most people are at a different place. So they kind of start out on a different foot. Um, but even that was something I was not um, fully prepared for, I guess. Because I think before grad school, you always, um, you know, think, Hmm, what am I trying to say? It's just a different relationship, like as a technician or an undergrad with your advisor, because um, you're much more dependent on them as a grad student, um, but you're much like closer to them and around them a lot, uh, you know, as a grad student too. So you kind of like developed, a, it's almost like a parent-child <laughs> relationship um, as a grad student. And so I think, you know, if you interviewed somewhere and then you moved there, you also wouldn't, well, it'd be even worse, like you wouldn't know what you're getting yourself into. So it's very important to talk to current and former students mm -hmm. from the lab and many of them so that you can get an idea because they'll never say like, hey, this professor is the worst. <laughs> um, but you can get a sense of like they're not happy. Yeah. That's um, true. That's true. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned something that struck me. So you said your lab grew a lot since you've been there. Mm -hmm. Did that cause the change in environment? Because I know you mentioned like you have a lot of projects, they're not connected, your PI is kind of stretched in different ways. Um, like, did that cause the more hostile environment or was the hostile environment already there, just ready to boil up, if that makes sense? Um, I think it, yeah, looking back, there's definitely like reasons it would have come about anyway i think but um it just becomes like too many cooks in one kitchen or something um so it does start with the leadership of the pi so that is like really the most important thing i would tell somebody about um gotcha. you know going into a lab is learning about their leadership style because if you have a professor who's not like he doesn't he or she doesn't like stop shit before it becomes a problem mm -hmm. then that is the problem right and so then if you have like that one person that serves up drama and then your professor won't just like really cut it off mm -hmm. before it becomes a problem it becomes years years of issues at this point and like you know four or five people that feel like targeted and then like there's nothing really happening about it and you have kind of very little power 
um, yeah. as a grad student to really get any help from like the university or so. So. So when you are in these situations where you feel targeted or you feel like the lab has become a hostile environment, like what do you do to cope with that? Because you obviously are still there. You still have to work these long hours and mm-hmm. get your research done and also, you know, communicate with these people if you need them for help and stuff. So how do you kind of cope with all that? Um, it's It's very frustrating because for a while – not just me but like at least one other person in lab also feel like really uncomfortable about these things and Mm -hmm. we just don't want to be there like anything we can do at home we do at home um and then we're lucky that we work in the animal facility too so we can do a lot of you know animal work outside of the lab where we do the bench work um Mm -hmm. but you just kind of have to like either ignore the person or try to get it addressed um through your your professor so like a mediated kind of thing um but it is emotionally taxing i'll say so um, i can't even imagine yeah yeah doing all that Um, and trying to think about like keeping track of all the steps in your research and like your project you're working on on top of all this i would be exhausted yeah even more exhausted emotionally and physically and (laughs) mentally yeah yeah it is and there's so little energy anyway <laughs> yeah have you um, ever thought of like yeah. switching labs or finding a different pi um so i have and the thing i will say about this which i don't know if it's like this at other schools but you have to stay within the program that you mm-hmm. came in right gotcha. and so even if you can find another lab that suits your interests this is very pessimistic but my experience um the professors are probably friends and they probably aren't going to take you from their friend's lab so then i've seen someone just like have to leave um because you know they weren't getting along with their professor and then they didn't have a backup basically um Um, jess Sorry, this is a heavy topic. This is like really. It is. It's, well, it's hard too when this is like your future. I feel yeah. like this kind of environment, especially for me, would taint my view mm-hmm. of like not just research, but like science in general. I feel like I would be like, I would never want to be in this kind of yeah. environment in the mm-hmm. future. And yes, I guess like teaching, you wouldn't, you would be in a different environment, but just to get through this research, I mean, you obviously still want to do research in the future. So I feel like knowing, like hearing this story would definitely deter me from moving forward with my goals, which is very sad. I feel like it should not be this way. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't want to be too like doom and gloom because I know a lot of people that have had good experiences in grad school. So we can also talk about the good parts too. um, Which I think is a great segue. Like we, yeah. You've talked about some of the rougher edges of the lab, but do you feel like there's any positives you can take from this experience? Like, what can you walk away after doing your PhD and be like, wow, I know I, like, I have these things under my belt that I can move forward and be okay with what I just experienced? Yeah, um, I think... Well, on a personal level, like it has made me a much tougher person, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. which I think is good. And you have to have that to survive in any sort of science career. Um, oh, yeah, 
like I think it's made me be able to justify like why I say something immediately, um, which I'm not, I don't know. I was always pretty bad at that, like, uh, you know, backing up my argument, but just kind of like, you know, um, being an expert at something I think is really gratifying in a lot of ways. Um, while you're in school, you'll always feel like you don't know anything. Uh, but then I think when you talk to people from like outside your field or something, you really get a sense of like, hey, no one's going to like tear me down in this conversation. Uh, um, so I like that. Um, I like, you know, knowing certain bench work isn't going to really help you if you're not doing that after grad school. But it is cool to, you know, say I know how to like work with mouse screens or something really niche like that. Um, and then writing, you get so much better at writing um, and communicating, uh, which is translatable to any job, I think. Yeah. And then one of the biggest things for me is just teaching and mentoring. Like that is, mentoring especially is my favorite part of the whole job, which is why it sucks to like bring undergrads into an environment that's not like healthy. Um, but I think, you know, I'm able to like protect them from that and try to make a healthy environment for them to learn science because I felt like when I first joined this lab I was confused and it's really intense and I didn't feel comfortable to like ask questions um, and stuff so I just try to make sure that they um, have a good experience and I'm still you know close with everyone that I've trained and they're doing well so I, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of. Oh yeah for sure. That reminds me of a question I wanted to ask. Um, as a tech did so I'm sure you saw some of these problems when you were being a, when you were a tech at this lab. Why did you mm -hmm. still join it? What? Um, Why yeah, didn't you so, just choose another program? Um, I understand so, like you want to stay there, but like if it was this bad, like you see what red made flags, you stay? Why don't you run? Yeah, <laughs> all those red flags are like <laughs> yeah, there are a lot. Um, <laughs> so I think yeah, yeah, this is kind of also a little loaded, but I think my relationship with my professor had changed a little even when I was applying. Um, and then I applied a bunch of places. I got two offers. One was where I am now, and then one was another place that's like smaller, and they have a really good program. And when I interviewed everybody, it was really nice, and it was like one of the best guys in that field. Um, but at the end of the day, I was like, I think the resources are better. Or I am now just in general like you know the microscope core the like I don't know just they have more funding um, and then also uh, so basically the science is more advanced and it's the uh, area of the country I'd rather live in than my other options so which is another yeah, that was de depressing side of science we depend on money for so much and all that, that funding yeah that festers certain high-style environments. Especially. Well, I feel like it's not resources, not just in the sense of, like, money or, like, material resources, but also, like, you're talking a lot about, like, you know, your PI's time, like, their yeah, resource, yeah, how I much think. time they mm -hmm. have for you individually, mm -hmm. and spreading that amongst everyone in your lab is just, especially when you have a big lab, it just seems unfathomable, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then it comes down to people fighting like you said that sibling kind mm -hmm. of rivalry 
mm-hmm. which in hindsight never gets anything done properly. Like, yeah. you know, and no professor yeah. or teacher should ever have favorites. Yeah. But if it turns out that way, it's a hard environment it to is. learn in. It is. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is feeling like you're still taking control of your own like journey in grad school because I think if you if you worry too much about what your professor is like I don't know like telling you to do or their approval and everything you do you'll always feel terrible about yourself um but you have to like find a balance between okay I'm doing day-to-day work like every single day and then I'm not like reading papers I haven't read papers this week you know and it's right it's hard when you're really busy because you know if you're doing an active part of an experiment like if I have animals I'm running behavior testing on and then collecting brains I can't really move that but you do have to balance like your intellectual growth with your like actual experiment just progressing mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. um yeah so if you had any advice I know you're talking about like when you are interviewing getting to know like students in that lab or previous students that were in that lab mm-hmm. but what is some other advice you would give for undergrads or kind of any level of education who want to get into research? Like how they, school. yeah, or graduate school, like how they should approach that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you're applying to grad school, I'd say, you know, make sure you reach out like far in advance to specific professors. Okay. Like I'm talking, if you're applying in November, reach out over the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and try to have a Zoom meeting with them and then just like really see if you vibe with them on a personal level. Like I know it shouldn't seem like that's that important, but you're going to be talking to them a lot for like five or six years of your life. Um, and then, yeah, and then when you talk to students, um, make sure you ask, uh, I think things like, you know, what they, how much they come into lab, like what are their hours, um, you know, how um happy are they with like the progress of the science that they're putting out like are they actually getting out papers or is it like you kind of sit on research until the very end you know that kind of balance there um and then also just like kind of what their life is like and whatever that city is stuff like that so try to balance um you know your own kind of scientific questions about the way the lab is run and um, really think about what your life would look like if you were working in that lab every day financially if you were living in that area right. all that type of stuff because I know especially if you're like a young adult you don't really think too much about the financial part of it but yeah you'll see your friends like graduating law school and making a ton of money and you're like why am I still here yeah 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 the one million dollar question what am i doing with my life <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly well, that's exciting i'm glad i'm glad you love mentoring and teaching and i think that's mm-hmm. i think it's really good to see like what is a good environment and what's not a great a environment environ, because yeah. then when you go on to teach and you're working in a lab you know what kind of environment you want to have and yeah. Um, yeah i think a lot of people probably experience a good environment so they don't really know this kind of side of it but I mean like you were saying you're with this PI for years so it's kind of like this mm-hmm. like cycle that you can't escape and yeah some people graduate and move on or you have like undergrads that come and go but if your relationship with your PI isn't great it's kind of like 
you're almost in you know a horrible situation for yeah. that many years and yeah. yeah that can be very like you said frustrating for sure i thought of one more thing real quick um is to either people that are like undergrads in a lab that they're not happy with like they feel like they're not learning with their grad student or grad students even though i said the opposite of this earlier is you're not like stuck in the environment like if you're really unhappy it is worth it to you know switch um to another lab or you know if you're like one or two years into grad school it might be worth it to you know apply to a different program or something like that would you um, switch now jess um i don't have the energy to go to another five years of school again if i restarted so uh i would probably just if i left now i would leave with a master's and then mm -hmm. do something like that but um uh, how many years do you have left i don't think we covered that like yeah. where are you oh. along your phd so i just get... finished two okay i just finished two i'm about to take my qualifying exam and then um we'll see how many more because with research it just depends on how far your project is going along so i know people that took like four and a half to seven you know yeah. Yeah. dr greer took seven years dr. Greer took seven. Yeah. um i guess one final question mm -hmm. if well two more well a couple final remarks <laughs> about that okay <laughs> um if you can go if you can go back what would you change? Would you still be where you are right now? Or would you try to go somewhere else? What would you, what, if you went back to say you're 21, what would you tell yourself to do? I think the only step that I feel like I wish I had thought more about was when I first started in the post-bac program, I was just really excited to like be here and be involved in like research that I liked. And I think I might have just gotten really caught up in the hamster wheel of like okay this is what I have to do to be successful yeah. you know and I kind of wish I had like chilled out a little and like thought do I want to go to grad school like immediately or do I want to take a little more time think about other stuff you know and then I might have had a different perspective but I think science wise I'm happy that I've progressed this far it just has taken a toll mentally um yeah you know um, any final remarks you would like to share with? I think I, I think I imparted my wisdom enough, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, I do feel like I've grown a lot, like intellectually and everything. So the um, benefits outweigh the costs. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. It all out well in the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, you'll survive. Like I was telling everybody. Eli, I feel like. And like you were saying as well, Jess, that, you know, anywhere you work, there's going to be certain people you just don't get along with or like advisors mm -hmm. or managers or bosses or residents or attendings or, yeah. you know, the list could go on and on that you maybe just don't vibe well with. But I think learning those techniques and like how to um, how to communicate with people that you just don't vibe well is very, very important mm -hmm. in any atmosphere, sure. research, medicine classroom um any other normal regular job <laughs> um i think it's all applicable so i think it's definitely not like a waste or a regret yeah you know right for sure for sure well yeah. we've been talking for a while so you, great it's so great to have you jess <laughs> thank you very much yeah, for your thanks experience. for having me yeah um, yeah of course giving our listeners 
a good side, bad side. Yeah, you know. I think we need it. I think we do need it because undergrads are somewhat protected in the little zone of like undergrad right. sphere, real world, of kind of flung stress. in graduate or medical school. Mm-hmm. And it's usually mm-hmm. flung most of the time in a like neutral, sometimes good, but some of some students end up on the bad end of the stick. Yeah. Short end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, I guess with that, we wrap up our episode yeah. today. Thank you so much for coming, Jess. Thank you, Jess. Yeah, thanks, thanks for guys. Us. Well, uh, what are we talking about next week? Oh, we don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> I think we might have a father next week in our episode. Stay tuned, folks. Oh, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Well, bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> bye.